Mike Pence wins the Derby to become Donald Trump's running mate. Is it a good move? Who will replace Pence on the ballot? Baron Hill quits the Senate race and Evan Bayh jumps in. We have his explanation and reaction from Todd Young. That plus winners and losers and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending July 15, 2016. <laughs> Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Donald Trump offered the job of running mate to Mike Pence, and Pence accepted. The formal announcement was delayed as the result of the terror attack in France. But Thursday afternoon, a plane carrying Mike Pence took off from the Mount Comfort Airport. It landed in New Jersey, and a motorcade took Pence to New York, where crews got video of him entering a Manhattan hotel. Yet on Fox News that evening, Trump declined to confirm the selection. I haven't made my final, final decision. I mean, I've got three people that are fantastic. I think Newt is a fantastic person. I think Chris Christie is a fantastic person, been a friend of mine for 15 years, uh, just a fantastic person. And, uh, and there's Mike, and Mike has done a great job as governor of Indiana. You look at the numbers, and it's been a great, you know, he's done really a fantastic job. So, you know, I have, but I haven't made a final, final decision. Is Pence the best choice for Donald Trump? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Dan Parker, Republican Pete Seat, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Shella. Dan Parker, we, we heard Donald Trump uh, equivocate some last night. There are reports now, after Donald Trump has tweeted that Mike Pence is his former pick, that Trump was up until midnight talking to advisors to see if he could back away. This isn't a good start. Well, the biggest question here is, if he gets elected president, does he run every decision by his kids? Uh, he's running for president. Uh, so the way this whole thing uh, went down is just reinforces the fact that this is a uh, pretty much of a reality show. And um, good luck to Governor Pence uh, in, in uh, his starring role on this reality show, uh, Pete. Well, we heard reports of dysfunction in the Trump campaign, including from Kevin Kellums from Indiana, who, who was hired for a total of 10 days and said he left because of the, the, the dysfunction. This is, has to be a little unsettling for Republicans who are watching it, doesn't it? Well, there's certainly been unsettling moments about this campaign cycle, but I honestly think that picking Mike Pence is a sign of maturity and Donald Trump maturing as a candidate. You know, this whole time we hear about Donald Trump advisors, and I would chuckle, like, there's no such thing. Donald Trump is his only advisor. But the fact that he was willing to listen to his kids, to Paul Manafort, to outside voices, and send that olive branch out to pick Mike Pence, I think shows that he's willing to listen to out other people. <laughs> An amazing series of events. Uh, lots of leaks from the campaign, reports that he was the likely choice, then reports that he was the choice, and, and then suddenly 
I mean, on the one hand, you can look at this and say Donald Trump and his campaign did a wonderful job of, of controlling the news cycle and getting all the attention. On the other hand, it's got to raise questions. I don't know if anybody's ever accused Donald Trump of controlling any kind of message, uh, including his own, uh, much to his, uh, his advisor's dismay. I, I, I don't think this unfolded clearly in the way he would have preferred. Uh, and he has said as much. He wanted to announce it at the convention. Uh, but because of this uh, uh, legal obstacle that uh, is an Indiana statute that would have prevented uh, his apparent pick or now pick. Because Mike from, Pence had to, had Mike to, file Pence had to either file or, or he couldn't run for two offices. So Friday. that sort of rushed the process. And then on top of that, you know, there had been this event scheduled for Friday uh, at 11 o'clock, and then that was superseded and postponed because of the tragedy mm -hmm. in France. So, it, no, through no fault of, of Donald Trump's, uh, this was this was a, was a somewhat problematic uh, announcement. But I do think it made sense for political reasons, for all the reasons we've discussed. You know, it shores up the evangelical base, the conservative wing of the party, which has suspicions about Donald Trump. The uh, overtures now that they can make to the Koch brothers and other funders who might have been suspicious of, of Donald Trump in the past is helpful. S supports everyone who says that opposites attract. Um, right? <laughs> um, so if it's about balancing a weakness on the ticket, it does balance at least that narrow yeah. uh, weakness. So if you're Mike Pence, should you have some hesitation about uh, giving up your campaign and, and heading to this campaign. Well, if you believe what Mike Pence has said, you should, because Mike Pence has said often that he was squarely focused on being governor of the state of Indiana. And so he can't have taken, if he was serious about that, he can't have taken this lightly. He had to give it serious consideration and, and thought. I am sure that when the presumptive nominee of your party calls and says, I want to consider you to be vice president, that is a breathtaking occurrence. But this is really a Felix and Oscar ticket, right? I mean, I can't imagine what those kinds of interactions were because you have Donald Trump like Oscar Madison over here, all frowsy and, you know, all over the place, and then you've got the neat and buttoned up Mike yeah. Pence or Felix Unger over here. Yeah. This is going to be fascinating to watch. Keep in mind, though, that if you're Mike Pence, you ran a risk if you were staying in the governor's race of losing. Mm -hmm. Uh, right. which would have effectively put a nail in your political well, coffin. Or, let me just say this, this way, and again, this is very Machiavellian, just looking at, looking at it not necessarily from the purest aspects of politics, but if, he, if Donald Trump wins, well, then he's in the catbird seat as vice president. If well, he, Trump loses, argue, Trump argue. is blamed for losing, and, and then he still gets he's the... He's a national uh, figure. He's a national he's a figure. A national he figure. gets the contract with Fox or, or whatever network wants to hire him as an analyst. So, I mean, from that standpoint, there's no downside. Yeah, um... Will Indiana Republicans vote for Donald Trump now in ways that they wouldn't before? From what I've seen uh, internally in terms of polling, I think Donald Trump was going to win Indiana uh, in, by double digits, quite frankly. I don't think Hillary Clinton was catching fire here. Um, there will be some holdouts maybe that will come over, but I think it was a done deal already. But what you're saying is he doesn't help him in Indiana. Well, I don't think there was anything to help with, is what I'm <laughs> well, saying. Like, I mean, it was already there. To, to go back to the original uh, question you posed, was he the best choice? He might have been the only choice that would say yes. Um, but I think it's a statement of the Trump campaign that a governor that has a job approval in the 30s was trailing in a race for re-election, ends up getting a promotion to be the nominee of the Republican Party to be Vice President of the United States. 
Well, let me, I want to go back to what John said about him talking about how he was focused on the governor's race. The, some of the reporting today is that uh, Mike Pence arranged this airplane flight to New Jersey himself so he could be there on, on standby. I mean, that, that's not a guy focused on reelection. He, well, he, he was all in. You can, never, you can never underestimate the ambition of any politician, but I think Mike Pence has made it clear, clear for a long time that he's been an ambitious politician. Now, you know, you can't fault him for that, but if that scenario is true, it raises some questions. All right. Tuesday night in Westfield at the rally that Donald Trump held and Mike Pence introduced him, Mike Pence compared Donald Trump to Ronald Reagan. And those of us who know Mike Pence know that he was a Democrat and he became a Republican because of Ronald Reagan. So he did Ronald Reagan. But that, was, but, that was, <laughs> but, also, but that was the signal to me that he was all in for Donald the, Trump. I mean, the Mike Pence that was there Tuesday night, is not the Mike Pence we've seen for the last four years. I go back to what John said at the beginning. This was a temporary residing point for, for Mike Pence. He's always wanted to run for national office. He's always cared about national issues. He, gets, he got passionate about national issues while he was governor, got involved in everything in Washington, didn't care about governor. And for the first time Tuesday night, we actually saw an, you know, a passionate, <laughs> emotional Mike Pence. I was going to say, I don't know that he didn't care about yeah. governor, but he looked a lot more comfortable with his material I, I, Tuesday night. Think in a way, <laughs> this is, if he didn't care about being governor, then what about all the jobs we've created? Oh, what about the announcements? Well, well, uh, he's he's what behind. About going to the Bartholomew this, this County is actually, Fair. This is actually, this is benefiting him because he was going to lose. He was going to lose. I think you're right where your interests always lay with D.C. and federal politics. But keep in mind that there was such a stink surrounding Washington that I think he calculated four years ago or five years ago that he needed to get out of Washington so he could run against Washington. Now, it didn't unfold in the manner he thought when he was considering yeah. perhaps a presidential bid on his own, but what, what got him out of Washington probably did play to his advantage in terms of being a state executive. Him. And it didn't hurt him that Donald Trump got a flat tire on his plane and had to stay in town <laughs> and they got two more meetings. You think that, baby? Yeah. Yeah. And you think that was an accident, too? Yeah. 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 Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific <laughs> online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. Last week's question, what's the best fit for Mike Pence? 5% said vice president. 8% said governor. 87% said neither. This week's question, who should replace Mike Pence on the ballot for governor? Susan Brooks is your choice at A, B is Eric Holcomb, and C is someone else. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to WFYI.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. So now there is a vacancy on the ballot for a Republican candidate for governor. Even before Mike Pence auditioned for the running mate spot at this rally in Westfield on Tuesday, candidates were jockeying for the nomination that will be made by the state Republican committee on uh, July 26th. The biggest development of the week is the announcement by Mitch Daniels that he considered a bid and rejected it. Pete Seat, we now know that there are three candidates, Eric Holcomb, Susan Brooks, and Todd Rokita. He didn't make the poll. In all honesty, uh, the poll was drafted at a time when it appeared there would be more than three candidates. Uh, who's the favorite? 
Well, I'm going to vote in the poll, and I'm going to vote B. I think Eric Holcomb is the favorite. You work uh, for Eric Holcomb. I, I, I volunteer, volunteer for Eric Holcomb. I'm helping Eric Holcomb at the moment. He's a good friend. Uh, I think he would make a great governor. Uh, one, it's a seamless transition to go from lieutenant governor to governor. He already knows all the people. He's already worked with all these state agencies. And he knows all the state committee members extremely well. He was state chairman with most, most of these people and has deep relationships with them. All right. Uh, I think Eric Holcomb is the guy with the most at risk here because Todd Rokita and Susan Brooks, if they don't get the nomination, can go back to their party caucus and get put back on the ballot for their office. If, if Eric Holcomb doesn't get the governor spot on the ballot, there's no guarantee he gets well, picked to be lieutenant governor, well, right? Pete might be able to say this better than me, but my understanding is that the lieutenant governor caucus is now August 1st. So later, uh, it's after the gubernatorial, right. and there's a 72-hour filing deadline. So technically, he could go back in for that. But but he's going to if you're going to ask, he's going to have to have somebody who he just ran against decide that he's the guy to be a running mate, right? That's odd couples. We just talked about yeah. that in the last segment. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. I mean, I uh, I mean, obviously, Pete uh, knows the inside workings of the state central committee uh, better than I do. At least I hope you do. Um, <laughs> But, um, I mean, this is a fascinating thing. I think the, the, the big development here is this is now an open-seat governor's race uh, with a candidate on our side that's been running for a year. And um, There are a lot of Republicans who think they've got a better chance now than they had with Mike Pence. Well, like I said, he had a 34% job approval rating. Yeah. I mean... I mean, if I were them, that's I'd be a, cheering, a, too. That's in Democratic polls? Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> it, it, Good point. It, <laughs> do the Republicans have a better chance to win now? Uh, well, I think they have the chance to have a better chance to win right now. I've long thought that this race was going to turn on the suburbs, right? And I think that uh, you've got a candidate in Susan Brooks from Hamilton County who has demonstrated her ability to garner votes in a suburban uh, atmosphere. Uh, and I think if she gets the nomination she becomes much more formidable in this. I, I think Eric Holcomb would be a tremendous candidate as well. Uh, but I think that since I, since I think the race will turn on the suburban vote, uh, that makes her a very attractive candidate from a Republican perspective. But I also think you're going to have an internal tussle among those candidates. As Pete noted, uh, uh, Eric knows the, the uh, folks who are going to make that decision yeah. very well. But there are also a lot of different views in that room, and I think it'll be interesting to see who emerges because there's going to be a lot of tension. Well, it is going to be decided in a room on July 26, but between now and then, everybody on that state committee is going to be in the same hotel for a week in Cleveland for the Republican National Convention. How many gubernatorial candidates do you think are going to hang out in the lobby? <laughs> I, I don't know, but your hotel in Akron is going to be a long way. You better no, get no, a I'm sleeping be, bag. I'll, I will be at the Hilton Garden Inn with the... Uh, well, I was going to offer up my in-laws' in house thank if you needed it. But, thank you. But it's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> to your question about uh, there's you know Indiana in its history has never turned out an incumbent governor, so that would have, Mike Pence would have had that going for him. But to echo what's been said here, I think the Republicans do have an easier time of it in a way now because they, we all know establishment Republicans who were uncomfortable with some of the stances that Mike Pence had taken, and it felt they felt that it made it more difficult to uh, uh, to compete, uh, and uh, the others don't necessarily have the same baggage. Plus, you have a candidate, in, a Democratic candidate in John Gregg, who had focused his entire strategy uh, and built his whole campaign around the perceived weaknesses mm -hmm. of Mike Pence, who's no longer a candidate. So uh, I'm not saying that necessarily gives yeah. the advantage to the Republican, but in some ways I think it is easier. Well, I mean, the incumbent point can't be understated. Mike Pence was running as an incumbent. He had universal name ID, 
and you know, uh, John Gregg's been out there. It's now an open seat. You have three candidates, only one of which has run for statewide office. Todd Rokita. And two um, have not been elected statewide. And I think that if you look at the, the three candidates, Pete knows the party better than I do, but you've got a liberal Republican in Susan Brooks. You've got a sort of mainstreamer in Eric Holcomb. And then Todd Rokita is sort of the right-wing uh, yeah. congressman. Who, but, who would John Gregg rather run against? Well, he'd love to run against Todd Rokita. <laughs> and remember, and <laughs> the only one who's been elected statewide. Remember, <laughs> but I think that this is probably a race between, I mean, this is just from my perspective, from Susan Brooks and, and Eric Holt. Well, just remember, name IDs matters in November, but it doesn't matter squat coming uh, come next month when, uh, when the, the state oh, committee right. meets. It might. I think Todd um, Rokita did a poll. He's going to show him some name ID numbers. Yeah, I but I think the grassroots organization. Well, he got elected more, statewide. He's, he's right. been elected twice. twice. All right. On to the Senate race. Democrat Baron Hill dropped out this week. Former Senator Evan Bayh jumped in. Here's a report that aired on Wednesday. Will you move back here? I've never left. Bayh gets touchy when you talk about him living in Washington. He voted here in the May primary and holds an Indiana driver's license. He owns a small condo on the north side, but his Washington home is worth millions. Are you a product of Washington? Absolutely not, Jim. I'm a Hoosier. Through and through, I've always been a Hoosier. Nevertheless, he knows that Republicans will try to make it an issue. They can choose to attack me. That's their choice. I choose to attack the challenges that face Hoosiers in America. That's why I'm running. His campaign ads hit the air tomorrow. Now I look at my grown sons, Hoosier families in America, and can't sit on the sidelines. He is also a friend and supporter of Hillary Clinton and knows that a Democratic win here could help capture control of the Senate for her party. So I asked if she convinced him to run. Absolutely not. Did you talk to her? You know, I'm not going to go into you know, personal conversations and all that kind of thing, but let's just say no one could talk me into running for public office. John Ketzenberger is Evan by the favorite in this one. Well, it's hard to call a guy who comes in late the favorite, but he certainly bring. he is the one candidate who can give Todd Young an incredible race, nine to one advantage in dollars right now. And you an, talk an about, advantage in you, name you ID. talk about name ID, um, but he also has significant hurdles to overcome, and that's the only reason that I give some hesitation here, uh, because of the residency question. Residency question because well, of the way he not, left well, the Senate. A it's not a practical issue, it's a no, political issue. No, but that doesn't matter. We're talking right. politics yeah, here, right? It's I the understand. perception that you have right. when you haven't lived in the state for 20 years. Well, you think, it's, so a, you think it's important that he's got a $3 million house in Washington and a $53,000 house? I think here. in terms of a, a campaign ad against him, it's significant. All right? I, so I think he's got that. I think the manner in which he left the Senate the last time, he has to explain and overcome. So I think he's got some things that he has to do to, to win the favor of Hoosiers, but he's a, an incredibly talented politician. So I think that it's going to be a really good horse race. It will also be the toughest race that he's gone through, uh, I expect. It, it will. I mean, you could look back and say that the 2010 race might have been a tough one, uh, given the national but mood, he, he and, and, and he backed it. away, with much to the consternation of some people yeah. in the party at the last minute. Brad uh, Ellsworth. What's that? Brad Ellsworth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would say that... Not uh, to Pete's consternation. No, we're we're not well for him. There are always outliers. I would say he uh, does become the, uh, the front runner uh, 
automatically, and because, as John uh, suggested, there, I, I could cite nine or ten million reasons in terms of the war chest yeah. he has on hand. But I'll, I'll uh, clarify, which is money's not everything. His report today was nine point four million. Nine point four million. Reasons. And he's already done a solicitation. So, um, <laughs> and, we, and Todd Young did one as soon as he heard Evan Bayh was getting in the race. Um, it, I, I know you're going to tell me that Todd Young's a great candidate and he's not afraid of this and, he, and he's a trained fighter. And All right, he's next topic. All right. but that was a bad day for Todd Young, was it not? No, I don't think so. They came out of the gate immediately. I mean, I, I don't know if you called them and gave them a heads up, but it almost seemed like they were ready for this. They were right out there pointing out the baggage that Evan Bayh has. I mean, he's got the, the house issues. He's got, I think you can't but, discredit this. But, but you know what? But you know what? You know what? He was able to deal with all of those things this week with the circus in town. And, and, it, and it, uh, you know, it's the fourth He got segment. drowned out the by fourth, the circus. That's what I'm saying. Well, but, but he's, he, how many times is he going to have to answer these questions? He can say, I already answered them. And it's the fourth segment on Indiana Week in Review this week. You know? Oh, so he's not going to want to answer questions uh, that are asked of him. Yeah, well, he doesn't want to be will. held accountable, which is why he didn't vote but I think this, run in 2010. He didn't want to be held accountable for I think voting he, for Obamacare. He, he could have had a worse week than he had. Right? He had a great week. <laughs> he had a great week. We should point out, you're, uh, you're involved. An advisor to, to Senator Bayh. Uh, yes. yes, okay. Um, what made him do this? Fed up. I mean, the same reasons that John indicated that he left... Uh, you know, after Barron made his decision and talked to him, you know, he had to think about it. I mean, he talked to Barron before Barron made the decision. The, the, he left in 2010 because he was fed up with the partisanship and the, and the gridlock. And it's only gotten worse since people like Congressman Young have gotten there. And you know what? The adults yeah. are coming back into the room. That's, that's, right. that's one on. we're, we're not leaving this. Republican Todd Young went from overwhelming favorite to underdog in the blink of an eye, and he came out swinging. You know, Hoosiers understand, I know this because I live in Indiana and travel around Indiana all the time, that the system in Washington is broken. They believe it's rigged. And they believe a major part of the dysfunction in Washington stems from Washington lobbyists like Evan Bayh. John Schwannis, can he tear down Evan Bayh in the eyes of Indiana voters? Well, I mean, there is shown that there's some traction that that argument has made, but I'll say the last time this was brought out as a, as a tactic or a strategy in a high-profile race, it actually was used by the Democrats against Dan, Dan Coats. Coates. And we all know how that turned out, and Brad Ellsworth can tell you how that turned out. But he was, he was perceived... Well, actually, Pete can tell you how He was... Yeah, I mean, he was, he was told how... You know, he was, he was the lobbyist. He was this, he was that. He was yeah. out of touch. So, I mean, that's, it's not the first time that's yep. been used. Okay. Uh, Evan Bayh, I think, because of his family's yeah. roots and Shirkyville and, and the other uh, uh, storyline he can advance. And not only will he talk about the being fed up. Oh, he's, he's, happy, he, he's happy to sing the IU fight well, song one other for th you, whatever you want. He's <laughs> hey, got even, Indiana Hey, he even had a brother who played for IU, didn't right, he? But listen, listen, one thing he can do, too, is spin this as a family values issue. Because he had the boys, the twins yeah. who were in high school, uh, before he can yeah. say, I didn't want to track. And he, and he does time. in the end. Now, now they're, now they're yeah. off uh, in yeah, college or graduated right. or Harvard. So he's... He can arguably say, my family doesn't need me as much anymore. Buys the favorite. 
You asked me this last time. That was the same question you got last time. I told you. I'm trying to read. And by the way, the answer is Let's see if the answer is yes. Let's see if the change. If that's your premise, it's going to be a long summer. All right. Because I do think that this, you know, you saw Todd Young, and you saw the intensity of the response from the rest of the campaign and the and the machine. I mean, they are all about this, and they know this is what's fascinating for me. It's just somebody watching. This is going to be a heck of a race. Just to see if you were a flip flopper. They're just looking for <laughs> his, right. his response was exactly the reason what people are fed up with. It's the cynicism and the negativity. Right. So we feed in the message. Thank Time. you, Congressman Young. Time for a, a roundtable to recap the week. Who is the biggest winner of the week, Dan Parker? The Democratic ticket, particularly John Gregg. The 800-pound gorilla is back, and it helps the entire ticket. Big winner. I think Eric Holcomb, if he ends up becoming our governor, yes, yes. to go but to go from a U.S. Senate candidate to lieutenant governor to governor in like six months, talk <laughs> about a radical story. Yeah. He's yeah. glad he got out of that U.S. Senate race. Big win. Mike Pence, for the reasons I mentioned, and Rex Early, yep. former state chair and former colleague on this show, who, of course, is chairing the, the Trump, Trump campaign, and he talk about being like, in the right place. The biggest winner. winner, us. Yeah, yeah, we got things to talk about. I'd say the big winner was Mike Pence. All right, big loser. The Indiana Democratic Party for proving that they're only in the image of Evan Bayh. They got nothing yeah, else. Big loser. Todd Young. He was, he was measuring the drapes, and now he's going to be a big loser. I think Mike Pence is running some real risks here. Uh, he's not the loser now, but the, the chance of him being one in the future uh, is substantial. Not, I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but if you're Baron Hill and you were a Senate candidate nominee one yeah. week and you're not the next week, I guess by definition you're, yeah, you're losing. Yeah, I say Todd Young is the big loser. What was the biggest surprise? <laughs> what was a bigger surprise, Mike Pence 15. being big or Evan Bayh getting back in the race? Well, from my perspective, Evan Bayh getting back, back in the race. Biggest surprise. Biggest surprise is the world hasn't imploded from Pokemon Go. Yeah. <laughs> biggest surprise, John. Uh, it's all crazy. I can't. It's no, just no, been a weird week. I think the Evan Bayh uh, probably in terms of sheer the surprise, surprise yeah. because we knew yeah. last yeah. week that, that Mike good. Pence was being That's looked at. Evan Bayh is the biggest surprise. Final question: Will there ever be another week like this one in Indiana politics? <laughs> Anyone? No. Next week. <laughs> I'm hopeful. The way it's been going. How much, oh, it's the convention. How, how much grayer can this hair get? Is yeah, the time. I mean, no, I'm, I'm all for Pete. Let's do this again. That was all fun. Right, I mean, it was fun. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Dan Parker, Republican Pete Seat, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. 